0: This weekend, we want to talk about how to raise courageous kids in this crazy culture that we find ourselves living in. And the question is, can that really be done? After all, our kids are under a tremendous amount of peer pressure, and they face all sorts of temptations. Well, I'm here to suggest to you that it is possible to not only teach our kids how to survive society, but also to thrive and to make a huge difference right where they are. But in order for us to do that, one of the things that we have to do is instill into our kids a sense of confidence. Because confidence is the fuel of courage. If you don't have confidence, you are not going to have courage. And as parents and as a church family, it's our responsibility from a very young age all the way through their lives to continuously instill that sense of confidence in them. As a a, a parent of of adult children, I find that it is still my responsibility to keep my sons and my daughter uh, instilled with a sense of confidence, as well as their spouses. As a grandparent, I feel that that's my responsibility. As a pastor, as a leader. So all of us have to work together in this endeavor. Now I want to share with you what I want to call four confidence builders that come right out of the Word of God. These are four things that we need to work at instilling into our children, our grandchildren's lives, no matter whether they're five or 50. It doesn't matter. We need to work through this together. You may want to jot these down. The first confidence builder that we want to instill into our children's lives is simply this. It is our responsibility to make sure that our child knows That they were created by God to be loved and enjoyed by him. So the first aspect of confidence I want to build in my kid's life is that sense that they were created by God to be loved by God and to be enjoyed by God and to turn around and love God and enjoy God in this reciprocal relationship. I love what it says in Psalm 139, if you want to turn there. Psalm 139, beginning in verse... 13, David says these words, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They are innumerable. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up in the morning, you are still with me. Those are profound words. And it's not... Simply poetry. That's truth. God loves each and every one of you. And God loves our children. But it's our job to convey to our kids that they are loved by God. It's our job to convey to our daughters that no man will ever love them more than the Lord Jesus loves them. It's our job to convey to our sons that no woman will ever love them more than Jesus Christ loves them. Now, it's one thing to say that and to tell that to your kids. We're also responsible to demonstrate that and show that to them. And I think there are a couple of ways that we do that. Obviously, one is by, by saying it to them in an in a honest, sincere, and, and passionate way. Not just once, but on a very regular basis. But secondly, one of the ways that we teach our kids that God loves them is by exercising discipline in their lives. And discipline is is protecting our kids from consequences that would otherwise cause them great pain and hurt in their lives. And not every kid enjoys or likes discipline, especially as they get older. But one of the things that we want to convey to them is that the reason we have boundaries and rules and guidelines is not because we want to be mean or want to make their lives miserable. But we're actually trying to protect them. We're trying to build a fence for them so that they learn where the safe ground is versus where the dangerous ground is. And for those of you who are, are, are young people, young adults who are listening right now, I, I understand because I actually can remember back to when I was a young person, I didn't like all the rules that my parents had. And, and to be honest with you, some of those rules, when I look back at them now, were, were just unnecessary. But you know what? Looking back now, I'm thankful that they put the rules out there because they saved me and protected me from a lot of pain that I would have suffered if there hadn't been some boundaries out there. So discipline is one of those ways that we teach our kids that God loves them and that we love them as well. Another way that we teach our kids that God loves them is through forgiveness. You know, at some point in our lives, we may experience a prodigal child who no longer listens to us and we no longer have control over their lives and they go away from us and that breaks a parent's heart. It is so important that our children know that they are always welcome back. They may need to make some changes. They may need to follow some new guidelines, some direction, but it's so important our kids know that our arms are always open like the father's arms are open in the story of the prodigal son. We want our children to come back. We want them to know that we will always be there for them no matter what. Because God is always there for us no matter what. So it is my responsibility to teach my children to build the confidence in their heart and in their minds that God loves them and that God wants to enjoy them and that they have the opportunity through really worship, to love God back and through obedience to enjoy the benefits and the blessings that God wants to bring into their lives. Now, as a parent, as a grandparent, as an adult, as a, as a role model for my kids, for my grandkids, for the youth, for the young people, I have to demonstrate to them that I believe that God loves me. See, I can't tell them that God loves them if they then observe me acting as though I don't believe that God loves me. Or my refusal to accept discipline and guidelines in my life. My kids learn more about God by watching how I behave than by watching what I say or hearing what I say. So we've got a huge responsibility to live it, to speak it, and to show it. A second confidence builder that we need to instill in our kids' lives. Make sure your child knows that they were made to be part of God's family. Make sure your child knows that they were made to be a part of God's family. If you turn over in the New Testament to the book of Ephesians, I want you to just focus with me for a moment on a verse. Ephesians chapter 1, and uh, we'll look at verse 5. Paul's speaking here, and he says regarding God's plan, his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ, and this gave him great pleasure. That's such an amazing verse. God took such pleasure through his son, Jesus Christ, in adopting us into his family, in giving us, so to speak, his name and giving us an inheritance. And the Bible tells us that for the joy of that adoption, our Lord Jesus Christ suffered on the cross. Now, there's no greater love than that. God has adopted us into his family. Now, think about that. His family here on earth is the church, not the building, but it's you and it's me collectively together. And it's so important for our kids to experience a little bit of heaven on earth as they are part of the community of believers. They need to sense and feel like this is their family. Now, I have to tell you, growing up in the church, I never sensed that the church was my family. The sense I got growing up in church is that it was for adults only, and kids were a nuisance. The programming that was offered, the, the attempts of, of uh, you know, having kids in church was, was just lame, to be honest with you. And, and a lot of times I felt like what I went to church for was to hear a really boring sermon or have some guy yell at me and tell me about how sinful I was. It never felt like a family. In fact, uh, because I was incarcerated in the church growing up, uh, I got this sense that the church was really, really dysfunctional because I I heard a lot. I was on the inside of the church, so I heard a lot of the gossip and a lot of the criticism, a lot of the complaining, and I found that the church was really an unhealthy place. It was just like, it was just sinners under a a different brand, under a different name. It didn't feel any different from what I experienced at school or in other places that that I, I would be. And that's just not how it's supposed to be. I understand that we're all sinners saved by grace. And I understand as long as you have sinners collected together, there's always going to be a certain level of dysfunction like there is in all of our homes. There's no perfect family and there's no perfect church. But there ought to be an overriding sense that when we are together as the community of believers, whether it's in our adult worship, young people worship, children's worship, experiences or whether it's in our subgroups or our cell ministries or whatever it is there ought to be a sense that I am with good people I'm with people that love God and people who love me and having said that I I just want to I just want to say I I, I'm going to deal with the elephant in the room and that is some of you have been abused in quote the family of God You've been abused in a church situation. And that grieves my heart and it grieves the heart of God. But you got to be careful. That you don't assume that all Christians in all churches are that way. And I just want to challenge the Compass Church to not allow yourselves, to not allow ourselves to become this place where people are repelled or where people experience the bad aspects of, of Christianity when people are being disobedient, rebellious. Let this be the kind of place where people feel and experience a little bit of heaven on earth. That means I've got to put my own agenda aside, okay? And it means I've got to make room for others. And I'm telling you, we've got to make room for our kids. And we've got to make room for our, our young people. And that's one of the things I value so much about the Compass Church at our campuses, we really do care about our kids. And I, I applaud our children's leaders and our children's directors. They're doing an awesome job. Encourage them, get in the game with them. And I, I have always appreciated how we've also included our, our youth in our, in our worship services. And, you know, that's why we have different styles of music, and that's why we try to arrange the music differently so that, so that they feel like we're speaking their language as well. You've got to stop thinking about church for me. We've got to start thinking about church for our kids and that next generation. Because the statistics tell us that after our high schoolers, Christian kids, after they finish high school, they are not going back to church. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons they're not going back is because church doesn't feel like a family. And I know enough to know this, that people are longing for a family experience. So you've got to instill that confidence as a community of believers into our children and into our young people as well. Number three, make sure your child knows that they were created to become like Christ. I think it's pretty cool. Make sure your kids understand that they were created to become like Christ. You know, one of my favorite superheroes growing up was Superman. And I always loved that part, you know, when when there was an emergency and he'd take his glasses off. Remember, he'd go into a closet or phone booth and he'd start unbuttoning his shirt and out would come the big S. Superman was on the scene. You know, we've got to teach our, our kids and our youth that that there's a big sea in their life. That is Christ. And they had the opportunity to experience his presence in their life. That is just amazing. Think about that. God has invited you and me to experience his supernatural presence in our life. Turn back, if you will, to uh, Romans for just a moment. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 talks about that. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, it says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn with many brothers and sisters. God has chosen you and me to become like his son. And that doesn't mean that I'm trying to imitate Christ who's outside of me, because that's impossible. None of us could be like Jesus in our own strength. What it means is I'm going to let Christ become himself in me and I'm going to experience his presence in my life. The sweetest moments in my life are those moments when I let go and I truly surrender to his presence and let him take over. But you know, one of the ways that, that God shapes his presence in our life is to take us through challenges in life. And God uses those challenges in our life much like a sculptor sometimes uses a knife to kind of cut away the excess clay, to refine the figure to what he wants it or what she wants it to ultimately be. Unfortunately, oftentimes we face suffering and difficulties. We resist it. We get angry with God. We see it as God trying to mar our image when in reality what God is doing is he's using that suffering in our lives to bring out his son. Not just for us to experience, but for others to see Happening in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit. We talk about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. All of these things come out when I let God have control of my life. And I allow him to use the circumstances of life, both good and challenging, to get me to depend on his Son so that Christ takes shape in me. Are you letting Christ take shape in your life as a parent, a grandparent, as an adult, as a role model for your children and kids to watch? Can they look at your life and realize that even though suffering can be difficult, it brings out a certain sweetness. When I think about my grandmother, who suffered immensely in her life, both physically and emotionally and in her relationship, having been divorced and, uh, and, and, and mistreated by her husband and raising three kids on her own and all that she went through, she's one of the most godly women I, I can remember. And when I was around her, I felt like I was around the Spirit of Christ. When I think about my own mom and and all that she's been through in her life, she's one of the most godly women I know. And I I just see how God has used so many things in her life to bring out the image of his son. And that's what you and I want to do for our, our, our kids and our, our young people. We want to help them see that the issues of life are not meant to hurt them, but to kind of drive away the excess so that Christ emerges in their lives. And when we see evidence of Christ in their life, we need to talk about it and we need to applaud it. When we see that faithfulness, when we see that joy, when we see that kindness, when we see that faithfulness, when we see that long suffering, when we see that generosity. They need to hear us say, wow, I see Christ in you. I see Christ in you. You know, when a young person hears that and hears it sincerely, it just causes them to to brighten up and want to let Christ emerge in their lives. Last confidence builder I want to share with you. Make sure your child realizes that God has made them for a purpose. Make sure your child realizes that God has made them for a purpose. 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, verse 10. Listen to what Peter says to us as he's inspired by God's Spirit. He says, God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can overflow through you. You know, Rick Warren in his Purpose Driven book talks about the fact that all of us have a shape. He uses that acronym. S, God's given us all spiritual gifts. H, he's all given us a heart or a passion. A, he's given us certain abilities. P, he's given us unique personalities. And E, he's given us all a variety of experiences. And God uses that shape in each of our lives for a purpose. So that he can use our shape to advance his work on this earth to bring people to himself and to help those of us who are believers grow in our faith walk with God. I want to encourage you to instill within your children that God has a special and unique purpose for their lives. I want to challenge you to to, uh, uh, encourage them to think about full-time ministry. You know, I, I hear more parents discourage their kids away from full-time ministry because it's not lucrative or because it's a, you know, a life of hardship or they may go away to some other nation or country. And that always such a downer to me. We act as though serving God is kind of one of the lowest jobs that you could ever have. Now that doesn't mean that all of our kids and our young people are going to be calling full-time ministry in a professional sense, but even if they're going to be doctors or businesswomen or businessmen or engineers or teachers or whatever it's going to be, we need to help them see that that's their ministry, and God's given them a unique shape in that area, which God wants to use to influence the people that they will be near and around to toward him, to experience him in their lives. Now, how can my kids understand their shape if they don't see my shape, if they don't see the spiritual gifts God's given me, the passion God's given me, the ability? They don't see in my life the experiences that God has blessed me with. They don't see how God is transforming and working in my personality. If they don't see that, if they don't hear me talking about it, then they're going to disregard this God shape in their life as well. So if you and I want our kids to live courageously in this world, then we have got to make sure that on a regular, regular basis, we are instilling confidence in their lives. Not just by what we say to them, but also how we act towards them. And how they see us living our lives should cause them to want to live their lives for Christ as well. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for inviting us into a relationship with yourself. And in these difficult and challenging days in our culture, when we are apt to retreat or to cocoon ourselves within the wall or the fellowship of the church, God, I thank you that we can can actually penetrate this world and with confidence and courage, bring it the redemptive hope that is found in Christ, in Christ alone. God, bless the Compass Church. Bless every parent, every grandparent, every leader, everyone here who has any influence at all, Lord, on kids, on young people. May we pour ourselves out into their lives that they might experience you in a radical and transforming way so that they change the world around them. In Jesus' name, amen.